The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. What can you expect to happen next in your life? Will you get that job or that relationship you want or not? What if it doesn't happen? What will you do then? Better yet, what will you believe then? What do you imagine is supposed to happen in your life? What about what you deserve? What do you deserve to happen in your life? What if you don't know? Are you doing something wrong? These questions and more are discussed and answered on today's show, so you want to hang in here till the very end because we're going to be talking a lot about this whole thing about your life and how much power you have to control it. So the first question, what can you expect to happen next in your life? One of the things that happens for most of us is that we grow up in, in, in particularly in the Western culture where we're taught that we're supposed to be goal-oriented oriented, and we're supposed to um, have made up a 10-year plan if not a 10-year plan, at least a five-year plan. And the five-year plan is supposed to give us a, a, an outlying goal that we're supposed to attain within that period of time. And we're supposed to have stepping stones along the way that are sort of benchmarks for us to mark and say, well, okay, I've got that done. Now I'm moving to the next place. And then the next benchmark comes and we move to the next place. And if we, if we do that, then we'll be successful people. And that's what we've been taught, that those are the ways that we become successful people. However, lots of things intervene in that process. One of those things is life itself. Life has a way of of bringing us to circumstances and events and people and places that change us, that change our goals, that change our mind, that change our way of doing things. And we want to do them a little differently now. And then we have to ask ourselves, well, do I still have those same goals Do I still want those same things? Is that really where I'm headed in my life? Or do I want to go some other way? And that puts uh, a a kink in the thinking that we're supposed to have this plan and we're supposed to rigidly stick to that plan. And if we rigidly stick to that plan, then we'll be successful. Because the question comes into play at that point when life intervenes and we, we have to say to ourselves, well, am I failing now if I haven't met those goals? If I haven't done, if I change my mind, does that make me a failure? If, I, if the circumstances that have been brought to play, into play um, sort of force me to change my mind, does that mean I'm a failure? Unfortunately, there are far too many people that are thinking that way right this second, that are saying to themselves, well, I must be a failure because life intervened and, and now I've got to do these other things. So I had this plan to go to college, but then my mother got sick and I had to, I had to drop out of that and I had to go home and take care of things for my mother for a while. Does that mean I'm a failure? 
What does that mean about what I'm capable of doing now? Now that I've dropped out of that goal-oriented thinking, does that mean that I now am not capable of, of directing my life? Okay, so the questions we need to be asking is, how much control do we really have over our lives? There's a lot of talk out there still, even today, about the law of attraction. It, it is not as talked about as, it much, as much as it once was, but it is still talked about a great deal. We still hear people uh, mentioning the law of attraction as a part of their success plan. And um, the, the plan is to be able to think positive thoughts and never think any negative thoughts and to feel positive feelings and to never think any negative feelings and uh, then to create a bit vision board where you will then be able to um, create, uh, design a plan for your life and, and eventually that plan is going to come true. It's going to happen just like you've planned it. And um, so when... When uh, we, we think that way, what we do is sort of set ourselves up to bargain with the universe. So if I do these things, then the universe is going to give me what I want. And that's a way of attempting to control life. Our goal-directed behavior is also an, uh, an attempt to control life. Um, and when we do that, we say, well, you know, aren't we supposed to have some control over our lives? Well, yes and no. Um, we, we have some say-so about our lives. We have some say-so about what we, how we're going to respond to life and what we're going to put forth into life, what the energy we're going to put forth into our life experience, what we're uh, going to say, what we're going to do. We have that say-so. We don't necessarily have say-so over what other people are going to do and say about our lives, although many of us are bargaining with that. Um, we don't have much say-so necessarily about what the universe is going to say in response to what we say and do in our lives. So these are the things that, that we need to be able to accept in order to negotiate a peaceful life experience. Acceptance means that I've, I've come to terms with life on life's terms. I don't demand that life be on my terms. I, I've, I've accepted that life's, life has its own terms. And it brings things to me for me to digest and to, for me to uh, overcome and for me to uh, play with and for me to experiment with and for me to learn from and all kinds of things. It offers me things. And my, my chief role in that dynamic is to be receptive, to receive those things that are given to me and to decide then what I'll do with them. Um, so that we have that kind of control. We have the control to receive or to try to reject, which makes us, um, makes us, makes life a lot more difficult when we try to reject life on life's terms. But we have that option. We certainly can do that. Um, so, so when we're thinking about planning out our life and sort of plotting out what will happen, those two rules of play come into, come into being where we either use the law of attraction, a spiritual way of attempting to mar- bargain with the universe so that we can have what we want, or we, we're very secularly oriented and we operate out of goal-directed behavior. So we, so, we, so we set a goal out there for five or ten years and we say, I'm going to hit these benchmarks and then I'm going to attain my goal and then I'll be successful. Those are the two westernized versions of, of how to live life on planet Earth. Uh, but the reality is that most of us are encountering things that we have no control over. We encounter on a daily basis our partners, our children, our parents, and we have no control over them. 
Now, many of us are raised to believe that we should have absolute control over our children and that they should always do what we want them to do or we have failed as parents. And many parents, unfortunately, are still operating out of that belief system. And it is false. We don't have control over our children. We can offer our children love and genuine um, regard, positive regard for their being. And we can uh, offer them guidance with regard to the direction for their lives. But they have a choice. And choice is the final arbiter. So choice says, I'm going to do what I do. And then the parents have to live with it. So when parents raise teenage children who have a drug problem, that wasn't in the cards. That wasn't what the parents planned for their child. Certainly it's not what the parents wanted and it, it doesn't look very pretty. It isn't very easy to deal with. And, it, and it's one of those things that tends to make children act in ways that are harmful to themselves and, and hurtful to other people and maybe even harmful to other people. Um, so we, we didn't want our children to grow up that way, but they did. And so that was in part their choice, in part what life gave them to deal with and then what they chose to do with that. Um, so there's a limit to how much say-so we have. And acknowledging that is a part of the surrender process that is so important to being able to, to live in that mystical place where we really have peace most of the time. Um, and and, and it, it really isn't about my way or the highway, so to speak. It's not about me getting my way so much for most of us. We, we're not necessarily that self-absorbed that we're saying, well, now the gods are supposed to give me what I want. But it is a way of thinking about whether or not we're successful or whether we're failures. And we define ourselves in those terms. I'm a success or I'm a failure. We don't say I had a success or I had a failure. We say I am a success or I am a failure. And so our identities get wrapped up in that. We, we, we identify with success or we identify with failure. And that's what makes those two concepts very dangerous. And particularly in the Western culture where uh, success is such a, a, a huge element of our sense of ourselves as worthy people, um, we have a really hard time with the possibility that we could fail. And, and unfortunately, that's more true for men than it is for women, although many women are still operating out of that principle as well. For generations and generations, men were taught that they were the ones who were be, to be successful people so that they could then provide for their families and, and be honored in the community and be considered to be worthy citizens of the planet. Um, now, women are also beginning to believe that way. Many more women are being the, the breadwinners for the families, and many more women are in the workaday world where their careers are very, very important to them, and there's... Nothing wrong or right about any of that. That's great. I'm one of those women myself. So, but, uh, but I also believe that the belief that we should operate a certain way in order to be successful and worthy people uh, is a dangerous belief because it allows no room for what we call failure, which actually is what I would call a life intervention. So life intervenes in some really interesting mystical ways that bring us to uh, a deeper awareness of who we are, a deeper awareness of our connection to the divine, and a deeper awareness of what life really is all about. 
so when we go into life saying that this is the way life is supposed to be for me, we're pretty much setting ourselves up to get slapped down. <laughs> because not that the life is slapping us down, but that life does have a way of bringing us circumstances, um, and we feel slapped down sometimes by those by those circumstances. So what we believe is very very important. Um, our worthiness is not relative to what we do in the world, and that concept is so extremely difficult for most people in the West to believe that our worth is not set up based in uh, in our ability to perform certain tasks in the world and to be earn a certain amount of money and to have 2.5 children and a white picket fence the 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 ideal images of what it what we thought of uh, as what is the american dream um, don't make us worthy our worth is entirely about our beingness entirely it's not about what we do. It's not about what we say. It's not about how we say it or how we do it. It's not about whether or not we've committed crimes. It's not about any of that. Our worth is based in the fact that we are here, period, end of subject. We are worthy because we are here. What we do with that is up to us. And, and I, I would add my own spiritual uh, twist to that, and you can agree with this or not, but my my. My spiritual um, understanding of life is that we have many, many opportunities that we don't just live one lifetime. We live one lifetime followed by another, by another, by another, by another. And the point of all of that is the process of divinization. So what I mean by divinization is that we become gods. We become who we actually are as divine energy. And uh, we start off, we started off as divine energy we lost touch with that when we decided to believe that we were separate from the divine. And we've been living out of that separate separate kind of thinking, dualistic thinking, for centuries and centuries and centuries now. And we've, we've proven to ourselves that duality is true over and over and over again. And yet duality isn't true. We are not separate from the divine. We are one with the divine. We always were, always will be. But we live into that life that says that we're separate from the divine and that we should be afraid and that we should strive to survive and that we should have to sing for our suppers and that our worth is dependent on our deeds. So that's a dualistic belief system. But if we believe that we're in the process of unfolding into awareness of who we actually are, then there's no such thing as failure. And actually, there's no such thing as success either. They're all of neutral value because they're all meant to bring us to deeper awareness of who we are as divine beings. And that, that, that allows us, that belief system allows us to kind of look at life from a whole different perspective. That it's not all based in whether or not I'm the one who gets out there and you know hits the pavement and does the work and makes the benchmarks and gets the goal or... Um, I'm creating the vision board that will make the universe behave like I want it to behave. Both of those are faulty concepts. But and whether you believe in reincarnation or not is immaterial. But I, but if if you have some kind of recognition that that life as an energy of the divine has its own its own way of interacting with you, then uh, then we tend to think in terms 
that are different than those that are related to success or failure. We tend to realize that our value, our worth as an individual is not based in what, what our performance or whether or not the world thinks we're successful. Our, our worth is based strictly in our beingness, the fact that we are a part of a molecule of the constituency that is the wholeness of the divine. So, you know, just looking at that from that other perspective changes how we perceive life ought to go. So when we say, what can you expect to happen next in your life? We're not saying, well, I've, I've made a vision board and my vision board says I'm going to get a car. It's going to be this kind of car and that I'm going to get the money to pay for that car. And it's all going to happen, you know, because that's the way I've plotted it out on my vision board. So that's going to happen. And I'm thinking positive thoughts and I'm feeling positive feelings and I'm not allowing myself to feel any negative feelings. And I'm not allowing myself to feel think any negative thoughts. So my it's going to happen. And then a year or two or three or four later and it hasn't happened, we wonder what we're doing wrong and what's wrong with us. And maybe we aren't really worthy. Maybe the divine has just decided that we don't really deserve all this. Maybe we start having to dig around in our souls to find out what, we've, what we're doing wrong and who we are as a wrong person. And that, sadly, is the story that I've seen over and over and over again with people who come to my practice and say, I've been working on this law of attraction so long, and really nothing's changing. It's not working for me. Why, why, what am I doing wrong? What's wrong with me? Um, that never do they say, maybe the law of attraction as it's been put forth has, is not really true. Maybe that's not really true. They don't say that because they're scared to say that. Because if they say that, then the universe might get mad at them for having a negative thought and really not give them that car that they're looking for. Um, but if, 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 they, if we say that life is an energy of the divine, that life is a part of the process of the divine to bring, bring about the fullest creation that, that he started when we were invented, <laughs> then we are a part of that energy. We become co-creators in that energy, and we don't have to judge ourselves so harshly for, um, for not measuring up to some standard that was given to us or we inherited from our parents or, or is put forth in the society about how we should be behaving or whether or not we have that car. So when we're, when we're thinking about life, what I would offer is that life is an energy Life itself is an energy. It is a part of us and we are a part of it because there is nothing but oneness. And yet, um, its energy brings us, if we receive that energy, it brings us to deeper levels of understanding of who we are as divine beings. If we refuse to receive that energy, well, we'll just prolong the agony until we eventually figure out who we are as divine beings because ultimately... The divine is in us, and it is going to be out of us. It is going to manifest, ultimately, somewhere along the line. We can't stop that process, even though we think we can. (laughs) And that's a part of what we're going to be talking about next time, right after the break. So stay tuned for more. We'll be back in just a minute. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you a spiritual seeker? Have you always pondered the deeper questions in life? Have you looked at many spiritual paths and found some answers but are looking for more? The Open Door. 
brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse, brings you each week practical spiritual teachings and tools that promote self-mastery, higher consciousness, and the opportunity to connect with the Ascended Masters. Join Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy as we explore the universe of spirituality. Live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the 7th Wave Channel. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. The Divine Masters and Angels of Love and Light are here to assist you on your life's journey. Brigitte Boyer channels St. Germain and other Masters and Angels every week on the power of transformation, pathway to enlightenment. Each transformation can be frightening and uncomfortable, but it doesn't have to be done alone. Receive loving support to help you remain balanced and at peace. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back. This is Authentic Living, and this is Andrea Matthews. And I want to tell you about this upcoming Super Soul Sunday on Sunday, November the 15th at 7 p.m. Eastern and Pacific Oprah is going to be joined by Shonda Rhimes, the prolific showrunner behind such hits as Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, and How to Get Away with Murder. They discuss Shonda's work, her recent dramatic weight loss, and how saying yes for one year changed her life. You know, everyone of a certain age remembers where he or she was during the terror attacks of September 11, 2001. In the days and weeks that followed, many people saw life in a different way and decided to make major changes. Shonda Rhimes cites 9-11 as the pivotal moment she chose to adopt her first daughter, Harper Lee. It's the thing that made me once again wake up and say, if the world's going to end tomorrow, there are things that I need to do, and that's what drove me to sort of adopt my first daughter, Shonda says. Shonda recently released the memoir, Year of Yes, and it it describes how her life changed overnight. So she's going to be talking about that on the show as well. So don't miss this new episode of Super Soul Sunday again on Sunday, November 15th at 7 p.m., Eastern and Pacific. And we're talking today about whatever, whatever life is, what we can expect from life. Will we get that job or the relationship we want? What if it doesn't happen and how do we think about it then? So that, what if it doesn't happen? That's what I want to talk about now. 
You know that old prayer of serenity that talks about the courage to, to change the things we can, wisdom to know the difference between the things we can change and the things we can't change? Well, that's a big part of what we're talking about today, accepting life on life's terms. And you know, acceptance is the last stage of grief, and I believe it's the last stage of any acceptance process. So we, we go through the stages of denial, anger, sorrow, or depression, depending on how we handle the sorrow, um, bargaining, and finally acceptance. And so many of us face life events that are difficult for us to face, an illness, an automobile accident, a breakup, a divorce, the loss of a loved one, um, you know, even terrible tragedies such as murder and rape and uh, and and genocide, things like that that many people on this earth are facing even today. Um, we face those things and we have to make a decision or maybe we make little decisions every day about how we're going to handle that, that thing that's been given to us, um, that thing that's come into our life. I see all of those things that come into our lives uh, as a gift. Uh, every one of them have a gift in them. And I see it as my job as to find that gift. You know the old story of the little boy, uh, uh, they had two little boys, some doctors were doing some psychological experiments and they, so they took one little boy into their room and they placed him in this room filled with toys and he's, he's playing with one toy after another, after another, after another, after another and he just can't settle on one toy. He just keeps moving from one toy to the next, to the next, to the next. Finally, his hour's over and they take him out of the room and then they have another little boy and they take him into a room where there's nothing but a pile of horse manure. And the little boy goes in there just, you know, full of energy and he dives into that pile of horse manure and he just starts digging, 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 digging into the door some horse manure. And they didn't expect him to do that. So after about 15 minutes and he's covered in horse manure, they go in and they ask him, what are you doing? Why are you digging in this horse manure? And he says, well, I figure if there's this much horse manure, there must be a horse in here somewhere. And, of course, that's the difference between optimism and, ha- and, and pessimism. The one little boy that had all the toys in the world was looking for just the right one. And the one other little boy who had no toys but only a pile of manure decided there was a horse in there somewhere. So, you know, we can, we can treat our life that same way. Many of us are very wealthy. Uh, according to Bernie Sanders, there's 1% of the American population that's wealthier than all the other uh, you know, they have more wealth, they've garnered more wealth than all the other middle class and, and lower class, uh, lower economic status uh, people in America. And that that reality is also true today. But those people are, have got a room full of toys and we often hear so many times that that's not enough. They're out there using drugs and they're out there, um, you know, just basically ruining their lives having gone bankrupt many times. Several of them have gone bankrupt a couple of different times. And, and uh, you know, so, so you know, they had, they're the people with the room full of toys that don't quite know what to do with the room full of toys. And, um, you know, we see other people who manage to suffer, suffer through terrible circumstances in their lives and manage to come out smelling like a rose, shining with a new radiance, uh, understanding life on newer terms, becoming deeper, more compassionate people, being more real, being more true to who they are. What's the difference between those people? One of the differences, I think, is how they go into the circumstance that's, that's difficult. 
some people believe, and and very commonly it is people who are the kid with all the rooms and uh, all the toys in the room. They they believe that life is supposed to be a certain way. It's supposed to be easy for them. It's supposed to you know things are supposed to happen on their terms. Things are supposed to happen smoothly without any obstacles. Things are supposed to go their way. And so when things don't go their way, they start measuring their worth based upon what they see in their life and they begin to spiral downward and they don't really know what to do with that. Um, but if you go into it, into life circumstances with a basic belief that says, you know, life doesn't always happen like you want it to happen and things are going to happen and you, you might need to bounce off of that for a while before you can figure out what you're going to do with it. Uh, you might find yourself reeling in the wake of some circumstance that just knocked you off your feet. I certainly have found myself reeling in the wake of those circumstances, and I'm sure some of you have as well, that when when life happens and it just feels like you don't know what to do, the rug's been pulled out from underneath you, everything that you thought was true is now false, everything that you were relying on for security is not there anymore, uh, the people that you loved and trusted have turned out to betray you, the people that you loved and trusted have died. There's all kinds of circumstances that happen in life that we didn't expect, and yet here they are, and so now, what are we going to do with them? And the answer is mostly for most of us to kind of cope with it moment by moment. We just kind of walk, keep walking, keep putting one foot in front of the other until we get some kind of clarity. We just, you know, and sometimes we don't even need to walk. Sometimes we just need to sit still until we get some clarity. But whatever the case, it's our choice as to how we deal with the circumstances life presents us. And uh, so we do have some say-so about how we're going to respond to life. We do have some say-so as to whether or not we're going to receive what life gives us. We do have some say-so about what we say, what we assert into the world, what we uh, promulgate, what we put forth, what we create. We do have that say-so. We don't necessarily have say-so about all of life's circumstances, and we definitely don't have any say-so over the people in our lives. We don't have any control over that. Many, many, many of us have spent many, many years trying to get other people to behave like we want them to behave. And even when we see them not behaving like we want them to behave, we still keep trying to get them to behave and get them to behave and get them to behave. And they're still not doing it. But we're still trying because we hope that maybe one day we'll be able to say that one magical thing that's going to make them go, oh, I get it now. I see. Okay, I'll just start behaving like you want me to behave. We think that's going to happen. And very commonly it doesn't. So we're doing what AA talks about. AA has given us so many wonderful little quotes in this one I love. We're, we're uh, doing the same thing over and over looking for different results, which we know is the definition of insanity. So so when we do those things, we bargain with life, and that's one of the stages of grief, one of the stages of acceptance. It's the final stage, according to, the, if you were going to look at it in a very linear fashion, it would be the final stage that comes just before acceptance. Why is that? We can get stuck in bargaining more than any other stage. Denial and bargaining offer us the most... Uh, mm, 
way they they offer us a way of tricking ourselves so that we can sort of say, well, it's going to be all right. Uh, so denial says I'm going to stick my head in the sand. This isn't really happening. Bargaining says I can make it to stop happening. Um, anger says I'm mad that it's happening. Sorrow says I'm sad that it's happening. Um, but denial and ang- anger, I mean, excuse me, denial and denial and bargaining say I can do. I, I don't have to live with this. I don't really have to live with this. So denial says it's not really happening, and bargaining says I can make it stop happening. So those are part part one of the two of the ways that we deal with life circumstances ineffectively. And we get stuck there. I have literally seen people stuck in in a bargaining about a parent, for example, for 30 and 40 and 50 years. A 50-year-old will come into my office and what they're doing is repeating the same bargain they had with dad or mom with their spouse, with their children, with their life, with their job, with everything. They're repeating that same bargain. Dad dad didn't love me, so there must have been something wrong with me. So I'm going to be really nice and good and kind and loving and, and uh, uh, take care of everybody in my life, and I'm just going to always be there for them, and I'm always going to be good and kind and loving, and, and I'm just going to make myself worthy. And so finally one day, maybe my dad will love me. And of course, dad becomes the face of the husband, the wife, the children, the boss, the co-workers, the everyone in their life is you could just place dad's face on all those people because you're doing the same thing with those people that you did with dad. You kept hoping that dad would come around and love you one day when in fact dad did not love you because you were unworthy of his love. Dad didn't love you because he didn't know how to love. Dad didn't love you because he didn't know how to give the kind of love that a father gives to a child. He didn't know how to do that for whatever reason, whatever blindness, whatever wounds, whatever, you know, distortions of reality he had in his head. That's why he did what he did. It wasn't about you at all. And yet, you spent 50 years on this now, trying to get, squeeze something out of that dry fruit trying to get dad to finally love you. And and it's not just whether or not dad loves us. It's it's all kinds of bargains like that that we started making in childhood that we keep making. So I, I need to be in the career that dad wants me to be in because, talk, picking on dads today, but uh, I need to be in the the career that dad wants me to be in because dad thinks that will make me a successful and worthy person. I'll be worthy if I become a lawyer or a doctor or an Indian chief like dad says I should be. And then I'll finally make it. But I don't really want to be a lawyer or a doctor. I don't want to do those things. So I got one part of me succeeding and another part of me failing. And I don't know why that is. But it's really because I'm still trying to bargain with dad. I'm still trying to get dad to respect me. Like I think he will do if he just if I can just be a successful doctor, lawyer, or Indian chief. That's that's so another way we bargain. So we get stuck in these bargains and we live them out, and we're we're hoping life will just turn on its ear and become what we want it to become. And the reason we get stuck there is because it offers just that little bit of hope that's addictive. It just says, "Well, come on, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming." I, I've given you got this little bit of hope. If you just do this, well, you tried that, but okay, try that a little harder. Well, maybe if you try this a little differently, maybe if you turn left instead of right, maybe if you go up instead of down, then Dad will finally respect you, or Mom will finally love you, or something like that. These are the bargains that we have with life, 
and they don't have anything to do with life. <laughs> they have something to do with our parenting and our upbringing and, and the ways that we got stuck trying to get people to do things that they are never, ever going to be able to do because they don't know how. They don't know how. For whatever reason, good, bad, or ugly, they don't know how. And, and we, we're, our stuckness keeps us from being able to accept life on life's terms. We don't move to the final acceptance stage of grief. We don't ever get there where we say, okay, life, you are what you are, so I'm going to have to figure out what I'm going to do with you. You're not, you're not what I wanted you to be, but you are who you are, so I'm going to have to figure out what I'm going to do with you now. And that, that stance says, okay, now I'm mature enough to be able to let go of the things that I have no control over and to hold on to the things that I do have some say-so about. I do have some say-so about what I'm going to do with life. I don't have any say-so about what my father or my mother did with their lives or whether or not they were loving and kind to me. That I don't have any say-so about that. I don't have any say-so about um, whether or not my boss even likes me. I don't have any say-so about whether anyone likes me. But many of us live lives filled with bargains that say, if I'm just pleasing enough to other people, then everybody will like me. And here's the thing. Not everybody's going to like you first eh, because everybody doesn't do anything. But second, because most people don't even like themselves. So how are they going to like you? So we're waiting around for other people to like us so that we can like ourselves. And then we say, well, okay, now. Now everybody likes me. Now I've got my 15 minutes of fame and everybody out there likes me. And so finally now I can love myself. That's a cheap bargain. And it doesn't get us anywhere. It doesn't help us really love ourselves. When we learn to accept life on life's terms, that's when we begin to love ourselves. Because we've said, I don't need life to prove to me that I'm lovable. I love me. And life is just a part, just something me is having to deal with. Okay, so life is not who you are. You are not your life. Life is something that is happening. It is an energy. But it doesn't define you. It does not define you. You are not measured in, 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 I would say, in divine eyes. You're not measured by, by what you've done. You're measured by, uh, you're not measured at all, actually. You're not being measured. You already are worthy. You already are a divine being. You just don't know it yet. So our blindness keeps us from seeing life and accepting life on life's terms and uh, courage comes from being able to look at life realistically and being able to just go, okay, this is scary as hell. But I'm going to have to walk through this and I'm going to have to pray my way through it. I'm going to have to meditate my way through it. I'm going to have to get lots of support from other people. I'm going to have to figure out how I'm going to sleep and eat and 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 use my energy to to get through this thing that's happening in my life. I'm going to have to work with that. And as we do, the miraculous thing that happens is we begin to transform on a deeply spiritual level. We begin to get more in touch with who we are as a soul, who we are as that deeper spiritual essence of who we are, not just um, who the world wants us to be, not just that mask and costume we stick out there hoping everybody will like us, but rather who we actually are. So what do we actually believe when circumstances come our way that we don't really like? What do we begin to believe then? 
that's where the rubber meets the road in terms of transformation. Um, so what I begin to believe when things don't go my way in my life is huge with regard to that transformative process and because it will be in working with those very beliefs that we will begin to transform. And we're going to talk about that right after the break. Stay tuned for more. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Why spiritual spelunking? Why tending to our inner garden? Why devoting time to inner being when so much external doing calls upon us? An Indian sage put it wisely, your own self-realization is the greatest service you can render the world. Join host Jeel Asselin as he serves as both guide and companion on the journey within. Nurturing the spiritual spelunker in all of us can be heard every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. How do we move forward? It's all a process of clearing and cleaning, as well as reconnecting. Tune into Transformation with Laota Rasul and Ahad Rasul. On our program, we'll showcase the strategies and techniques that help us with these processes. You can't move forward until you are in the right position to heal your space and place. Reveal the true self to yourself. Listen for Transformation every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. Be Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back. This is Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual educational programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality, but to bring your unique gift to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT, you can get a master's, doctorate, or ministerial bachelor's degree, and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you can get a PhD, a doctor of ministry, or a holistic theology program or in the Holistic Theology Program, a Doctor of Theology degree. The programs in which you may get these degrees are Holistic Theology, Holistic Health, Holistic Ministries, Metaphysics, and Parapsychology. 
These courses offer depth and meaning to not only your own spiritual search for truth and meaning, but to your capacities to bring your healing, loving, guiding gifts to the world. The population of students includes doctors, lawyers, healers, nurses, ministers, counselors, psychologists, social workers, nutritionists, herbologists, homeopathy practitioners, psychics, mediums, and many others who have a special gift but need to learn to hone it and credential it. It also includes students who simply wish to enhance their own profound spiritual journeys. What's most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your own journey to your own authentic spirituality by utilizing as your text writing teachers spiritual experts from all over the world. You can learn more about what's offered at AIHT by going to www.aiht.edu. Or, if you'd like to talk directly to the admissions director, call Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. Again, that's 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. So we're talking today about that big whatever, that big whatever that is life, that we can't control, that energy that is life itself, that isn't who we are. This is what we've said so far. Life does not define us. We are and I am, which is involved in life and participating in life, but life does not define us. We define ourselves. And we do that by encountering life as a relationship. So life is, uh, we are in relationship with life, whether we like it or not. And what we decide to do in that relationship is going to be everything in terms of how we evolve. What we said just before the break was that what we come to believe when we encounter a circumstance in life that is not one that we wanted is everything in terms of how we transform. Because what we encounter is our own beliefs. We don't necessarily always encounter life. We encounter our own beliefs. So... Life brings us a circumstance, uh, a divorce, a death, a loss of job, a loss of income, a, um, a dramatic shift in our financial situation, a, um, a, a, a automobile accident, a, sil- a sickness. All of these things are things that we don't want and don't expect and would never ask for. And yet... As I said in the first segment, there is a gift in every one of these circumstances. Every circumstance offers us a gift, and that's why it's our job to receive the circumstance. It's not our job to reject the circumstance. It's our job to receive the circumstance in its fullness for all that it is. Here it is. This is what's happening. I'm going to receive this. I'm going to experience the emotions that go with it. And I'm going to be looking at my belief systems and bearing witness to my process as I walk through this event. So when we, when we do that, what we do is we come up understanding what we believe. And we encounter those beliefs that say, wait, this is not supposed to be happening to me. We can hear ourselves saying that sometimes. This is not supposed to happen to me. I've literally heard people say that. You've literally heard people say that. You perhaps have said it yourself. That this was not supposed to happen. No, this was not in my plan. I did not have this planned. And what does the universe think bringing bringing this to me? 
So that's the way we were, we were kind of insulted that the universe would actually drop this in our lap instead of the other thing we wanted so much more. Uh, but here it is. And so when we, do, when we get to that place where we go, this was not supposed to happen to me, what we can say is, aha, that's one of my beliefs. I believe that life is supposed to go the way I have it all worked out in my head. My little fantasies about how life is supposed to go is how it's going to go. It is really, really hard for us to let go of that. I want to give every person on the planet credit for every letting go process that they have ever been through with regard to life circumstance because that is one of the hardest things that we will ever do is let go of that belief that says life was supposed to go the way I wanted it to go. And, and so, you know, pat yourself on the back if you're in that process of letting that go. Um, I certainly have had to go, let go in my own life, and I will have to let go again. I am certain of it. But what it says is, okay, this is what's been given to me. I'm going to let go of that belief that says it was supposed to go the way I wanted it to. I've still got some emotion about that, and I'm going to process through those emotions. Maybe there's anger. Maybe there's a sense of, of I'm a failure or I've been rejected by the universe because I didn't get my life the way I thought I was supposed to get it. We have to work through those emotions and work through those belief systems and allow them to speak and give their message to us. Instead of rejecting those emotions that go along with these belief systems, we need to feel them because they will inform us of deeper belief systems and deeper belief systems. And as we allow those feelings to process and, and, and be what they are, with a sound listener in the room, even if the listener is only ourselves or only the divine, we, what we do is bring ourselves, the fullest that we have grown to be, into the room. We, we say, okay, this is me and all of my faulty beliefs. Here I am. I'm in the room with this life circumstance. And so let's dance. Let's just dance. And that is how we get through those kind of circumstances in a way that it makes us evolve. We begin to transform as we begin to see that we've been carrying around some faulty beliefs. Um, many of our circumstances come to us as a direct result of faulty belief systems. So, for example, we, we, uh, we might believe, as I said earlier, that you know the boss... Uh, uh, doesn't really like me and so I'm going to have to work harder and be kinder and do more work and get it all done yesterday and, you know, be superwoman and be the scapegoat and be all those things that I think I have to be in order to please the boss so that he will like me. And really what I'm trying to do is get my dad, who I've, I've placed my dad's face on my boss and I'm trying to get my dad to love me through my boss, vicariously through my boss and my, and I'm, I want, I think that if I can ever get my boss to really love me the way my dad didn't, then finally I will be worthy because really it's because my dad didn't love me. I mean, my, because I'm not worthy that my dad didn't love me. So that faulty belief system comes into the room with that life circumstance. And we look at it and we go, oh, <laughs> well, you know, the reason I can't do this particular dance with this particular life circumstance is because I, I'm wearing the wrong shoes. I've got this faulty belief that says that, you know, I'm supposed to be pleasing my boss all the time. And and then maybe my dad will magically love me and I'll finally be healed of this old wound. But my boss can't do that because he's like my dad. He doesn't have the capacity to do that. And besides, he's a boss, not a dad. He can't do it. So, so 
I've lived into the circumstance so much and so hard now that I've made myself physically sick. And that's the circumstance I brought into being with my faulty belief system. So a lot of times our circumstances are a direct result of having faulty belief systems that we live into and we create stresses for ourselves that really don't have to be there because we've got this faulty belief system. So when we do that dance, when we go, oh, I see, I've been doing the wrong dance. I, really, what I need to be doing is, is uh, trusting that if I'm an authentic person, I'm worthy. I mean, I'm worthy because I exist. I'm not worthy because I'm somebody else uh, or put on a mask and costume that pleases other people or somebody finally loves me. Even if dad could turn around and finally love me today, that still wouldn't make me worthy because he has no power over that. Uh, my beingness makes me worthy. That's enough. It is good enough by itself. So, so sometimes we create the life circumstances that uh, become very difficult for us, and waking up to that fact is what heals us from the life circumstance. Other times, things just happen, and we don't understand why they happen. They drop in our lap, and here it is, and we don't understand why this has happened. And we could sit on why me for months and months and even years and years if we wanted to. We, we could grow very bitter. We could decide that you know, really the gods were not good to us and we, we just should not have experienced that. And so we're just going to be bitter about life from now on. We can do that. We have that option and I welcome you to it. It's not a very happy way to live, but that's the way you want to live. That's okay. It's your choice. We also have another option, however, and that option is to consider that maybe this has a gift for us. Maybe this life circumstance that's just dropped in our lap out of nowhere. We didn't create it. We didn't ask for it. Here it is. Maybe it has something to give us. And if we go into the room with that life circumstance and say, okay, you're here. I'm willing to look at you. I'm willing to see you in the face. And I'm willing to dance with you until I get something. Until I, you know, or call it wrestle. (laughs) Instead of dance, call it a wrestle. One of the things that I love about the story of Jacob in the Bible is that he wrestled with an angel until the angel blessed him. That he, he said, I am not going to quit fighting you. He fought all night with this angel. And perhaps we all fight with our angels and in, in, in through our dark souls of the night. Uh, but what Jacob did that was different is, I will not let you go until you bless me. And I think that's what we can do with our circumstances. And in fact, sometimes I think that our circumstances do that with us. That they say, I'm not going to let you go until I give you the blessing that I came to give you. This is not going to get better until you let me give you that blessing that I came to give you. So might be better for us to, to, to come on into the room and just say, okay, here I am, bless me, than it is for us to keep trying to reject it or bargain with it or say it shouldn't happen. So this is, this is that big whatever of life. This is that, that thing that forces us a gentle, persuasive forcing sort of like getting into the river and you're just having to go with the flow that asks us that begs us in fact sometimes to surrender to just let go to and i I don't mean by that that you're waving a white flag and you're going to be defeated i mean by that that you've decided to be at peace with what life has brought you you've decided to say okay here it is this is what's going on I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to be. 
Uh, but I'm going to walk through this and I'm going to hold the hand of the divine and I'm going to trust that I'm being held in the hand of the divine and I'm going to walk through this. However you see the divine, whatever that is for you, whether your religion is Islam, Christianity, Buddhism, uh, uh, Hinduism, Baha'i, whatever your faith is, you you have some philosophy or some uh, ritual or mythology or uh, belief that says you can follow this and surrender to it. And I would encourage that because then we can deal with the whatevers that come our way. So that's all we have for today. We're going to be back again next week. You want to be here for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.